All right, the Lord is good. If you believe it, give me an amen. amen. If you believe the Lord is good, say the Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. You don't sound like you believe it. Say the Lord is good. His mercy over my life endures forever. The Lord is good. His kindness to me endures forever. The Lord is good. His love for his people endures forever. Say the Lord is good. I believe it. Say it again. The Lord is good. And I believe it. Let's declare the word of understanding before we take our seats. Now I declare. The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. And of course, that's what God will do for you again today in Jesus' name. Alright, can I just greet somebody? Bless them. Bless them. Touch them. And say to them, God, increase you today. The Lord brings you, gives you favor. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's take our seats. The Lord is good. Is there anybody that's putting his confidence in human beings? Get ready to be disappointed. Woe to the one who trusts in flesh. Who trusts in man. Who makes the arm of flesh his strength. The Bible says he will not see when good will come. That's a matter of fact. You cannot put your trust in human beings. You can't put your trust in human structures. You can only put your trust in God. Then when your trust is in God, he now leads you in different ways. He takes you from one place to the other as he pleases, as he wishes. You say, okay, I mean, because it's easy to say, my trust is in God. I've seen it all the time. People say, my trust is in God. You don't know the kind of faith you have until you see the kind of things you do. Did you hear what I said? The knowledge you have is not a proof of your faith. No. The knowledge you have is not the proof of your faith. It's the actions you take that indicate to even you. Now, that's the issue. People think they have faith. I was talking to one young woman a few days ago. I just ended the conversation abruptly. I entered a, a, an office. She's like a, which one do I use? Secretary, receptionist. Anyway, controller of the outer office. <laughs> Can I use that expression? So anytime I get to, the, get to that the office, the screen, of course, as we often have, in our receptions, we have a screen on, it shows different things. Of course, these are the cable TVs. Digital TVs, you can switch to any channel you want. So anytime I get there, there's this funny channel, so one of those reality TV things that's on. So I told the young woman, I said, you have the opportunity to educate yourself. Why do you put on a program here that shrinks your brain? And she now told me something, I ended the discussion. She said, my mind is strong, I shouldn't worry about that. 
that her mind is strong, these things they are saying won't enter her. I said, whatever entertains you, enters you. That's what Kola Ewosho said. When he said that my mind is strong, I didn't have time for the discussion. The truth is that human beings, we can deceive ourselves. Your brain is being shrunken every day. You say your mind is strong. You are reduced. Because I felt that, you know, in my mind, what I think is this. Expand your ability to have intelligent conversations with adults. Did you hear what I Have intelligent conversations. And you will never learn that sitting down and watching Big Brother Nigeria. Only those going to hellfire sit down and, and do such things. She's going to be watching Big Brother Africa. Big Brother Nigeria. People sit down, they gather a set of young men and women of low morals, gather them in a home for about 100 days, and they say you should be watching them. You should ask yourself, the person offering that to you, does he think you're an idiot? I'm not worried you're an idiot or not. Does that guy think I'm an idiot? You ask the cable TV, do you look like a fool to you? There are things that yeah. <laughs> I know whether your brain is growing or shrinking just by looking at what you interact with every day. What am I going to say? You can't even say whether you have faith or you don't by the information inside you. It's only when you, have, you observe your actions. And listen, faith is not whether I felt confident. No. That's not what faith is. That's part of it, but that's not what faith is. Faith is, did I take the right actions as dictated by the word of God? I have taken actions before, and I've heard testimonies of people, because that is your only thing to do. You were not happy you did it all. Let me give an example. A very simple one. Is this something that I used to illustrate once in a while? I was in school, final year student, and my examiner asked a question. Oral exams. Obstetrics and gynecology. Excellent examiner. He said, have you done this procedure before? I answered him, no. Knowing I will get into trouble. And one man there, you know, he pinched me later because that man got really angry. He pinched me. Why didn't you just tell him yes? Because the circumstances around showed that I didn't have to prove it. There's no way of his, of his cross-checking it. There's no way. There's no way. So it was just me for me to say no or yes. So I said no. And the man got angry. So a woman asked me, why didn't you just say yes? This is where I'm going. When I said no, I didn't say no confidently. Say, my God shall deliver me from the trouble. Nah. As I'm saying no right now, heaven will open and the angels of God. No. I didn't think of that. What just happened was that I couldn't say yes. When they said to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It was not about, hmm, my God is able to deliver me. Watch it, I will be delivered. What they said is that our God is able, but even though he does not deliver us. So they knew that whether we are delivered or we are not delivered, this bowing, we shall not bow. There are things you will know, you see, there are things you just know you can't do. Sometimes, you know, I am one of those people that there are things I can't, I can, when we talk about sexual harassment of students by lecturers, I never take those things seriously. I'm sorry. Because to me, a normal girl should not be sexually harassable. Yes. I'm not saying they are not crazy people there. But a normal Christian 
The man should know that, oh God, forget this thing. Chef, not to fail me, fail me. It's not this. I don't know whether you're getting my point. It's not a matter of what do I do. They fail me first. Ah. The only thing I would do, as God leads, before that exam, I will abandon every other course that they are reading in that school. I will read only your own. So by the time I finish writing it, when I write a petition against you, when your colleagues read my script, they will know. I don't know. You know, you know why we have this negotiation? Because it can be negotiated. Because it can be negotiated. If you knew it was not negotiable, you would behave differently. But when the man finishes making his move, you say, oh God, if this will save your life, you won't get it. You know, there's something that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. They said, King, we will not be careful to answer you in this matter. It's not let us go and think. Normally, they would not speak, they wouldn't speak up to Nebuchadnezzar like that, but they knew that this is the end of our lives. So anything we want to say now, let us say it. So we will not be careful to answer you in this matter. Our God is able to deliver us, so that's not what we're saying, Sha. Even if he does not deliver. We are not doing this counting on his deliverance. We are saying we cannot live having bowed. That when we bow to your idol, we may as well die in the process. I hope you're getting my point. So the, the people, that, so there are things in like, don't think that uh, Shadrach, Mishan, and Abednego, they were saying like, uh, <laughs> oh, oh, Shadrach, today is the day. Come on. No. Boys, what do you think? I don't know. Will God deliver us? I don't know. You know, he has delivered people before. And some have not been delivered. They knew his prophets that were killed in Israel. Those boys came from Judah. Prophets were being killed before that time. And God did not deliver the prophets. So when they were saying the things that they said, what they meant was that if he's to die, we will die. I'm talking about faith. So it's not the confidence you feel. It's whether based on the information of God you have, you did the right thing. That's all. It's not, I just know, and I know, and I know. After all, it is written. No. That's part of it. I'm not saying that's not part of it. But that's not, that is not even up to a quarter of it. The major part of faith is, did I take the right action when the circumstances demanded it based, that is judging whether it's right or wrong now, based on the word of God? That is faith. That is faith. That is what faith is. Faith is not judged by the results. Let me say that again. That's another mistake we make. Faith is not judged by the results. That is the immediate results. It's not. Abraham left a place because God said he would take him somewhere. He didn't get there. Oh, I pray, I pray you understand that. The Bible says that Abraham did not receive that which was promised. The land he was supposed to inherit, it was his descendants' generation, 430 years later, that inherited that land. Abraham himself, if he got any part of that land, it's a small piece. Just a small piece. You don't judge faith. You know, that time I was leaving that office, I just knew it was God that said I should leave. And you can see it right now. Look at that place, I was small. I was earning just 55,000 naira a month. Within two years, my turnover in my own business now is 55 million a quarter. Praise God. It was God that said I should leave. Doesn't mean it. There are those that left 
Because God said they should live, this is five years after. They are not living as well as they did five years ago. Was it right? Is judged by, let's look at the circumstances when you were living. What would somebody full of the Holy Spirit, what would the person have done? If that's what you did, it's right. What came out of it is irrelevant. What came out of it is irrelevant. Some people refused to bow and they died in that fiery furnace. I hope you understand that. Don't assume that everybody that did not bow survived. Was it the church in Smyrna or Sardis, one of the S churches? God told them, you are good people. You are doing what is right. So you are going to be tested for 10 days, but be faithful until death. That is, some of these good people were going to die. You don't judge whether... What's the name of our girl? Leah, thank you. How did you all know? Are you, are you preaching with me right here? You, how did you know it was Leah I wanted to say? <laughs> you don't judge whether Leah made the right decision or not by the fact that she has been released or not been released a few years after. No. I've heard of pastors that preached and said the girl should have been wise. Yes. A pastor preached it in a church. And I know many pastors preached it. Many believe it, even though they didn't preach it. And they said that, no. Leah, they said she should just convert to Islam. Just deny Jesus his Lord. Now, for your information, when John said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, he wasn't talking about Sunday. He said, on the Lordy day. That's a literal Greek. That's the best interpretation. That was the day everybody's supposed to deny that Jesus is Lord and accept that Caesar is Lord. They used to do it those days, so it's nothing new. And that was what Jesus meant when he said, be faithful even until death. Leah Sharibu has not been released. It's been a while now. How many years now? It's about two years. Now, we are not going to judge whether she should have denied Christ or not by that. We don't deny Christ for release. And we don't hold on to faith so we might be released. No. We can't deny Christ because we can't. Or more like, we don't deny Christ because we can't. Those of you who are here when Pastor Corey came, um, was it last year or earlier? In December. He told that story. About a man who this Islamic fundamentalist entered his home took him, tied him, put a knife to his neck and said he should just say Jesus is not Lord. Just deny Christ and they will let him go. Let his family go. And the man said, I can't do that. And they cut his neck slowly, giving him time. They didn't behead him in a hurry. They were cutting it slowly so that he would see his blood. He would feel the warm blood running over his skin. And the man said, I can't. They will cut a little deeper. The man said, I'm sorry, I can't. Just deny, don't say, okay, hey, you know, this is like, the man said, I can't. And they kept on cutting until he bled out or choked in his own blood. There are different ways people die when you cut their neck, depending on which part you cut. And the man died. The amazing thing was that before that, the girl had the, his first daughter had the revelation. She was not in the house. The Holy Spirit just said to her clearly, don't worry about it. I will take care of your father. 
She didn't know why she heard that voice. Then later on, when she heard the news of what had happened to her father, and she couldn't reconcile the two. God said, I will take care. But he's dead. I'm not preaching about that now, but the point I want us to understand is as far as God was concerned, living is not taking care of him. I don't know whether you get my point. That I will take care of your father doesn't mean he will not die. After all, Paul said, to die is gain. To depart and be with Christ is better. Was that not what Paul said? When I heard that, what I heard from that story was that God said to her, I will do for your father what I did to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They will face the, they face the fiery furnace, they could not deny me. My spirit will possess your father, he will not be able to deny me. Don't worry about it. That's what I heard from that. That's what I heard from that. So we don't judge faith by those, uh, did the man live or did he die? No, for us. Did he do the right thing? Yes. Did he deny Christ? No, he did not. He was faithful even until death? Yes. Let's rejoice therefore. You know, the truth is, when we say we believe, we actually don't really believe. We just come to church. We don't believe. Because if we really believed, we would know that the man really departed and went to be with Christ, which really is far better. You will know that a crown of righteousness, are you getting my point? It was reserved for him. I heard a story long ago. I don't know whether it really happened, but you know, there are stories that are told. You don't know whether it really happened or it happened. It's been modified now. You don't know really. But it illustrates the point, so we keep repeating it. That those days of the persecution of Christians, they tie them up. They're going to burn them at the stakes. No firing squad. They just, they have what they call the faggots, the sticks already gathered around. They're going to put fire to it and then the fellow is dead. Burned. Born to death. So they gave them one last chance to just renounce their faith in Christ Jesus. And one guy couldn't stand it anymore. Maybe he saw his wife in the crowd. Or saw his children hugging the mother and crying. He couldn't take it anymore. So he volunteered and left the stake. So they freed him. All he needed to do is say, Caesar is Lord, something like that. And you are allowed to go. The woman just from the crowd said, I'm a Christian. And Caesar is not Lord. Jesus is Lord. Ah. So he came out. Yeah, we're going to burn you here. Can I take that stake? They said, yes. So he went there and they tied him. They said, what is wrong with you? He said, I saw a crown fall. I came to pick it up. That's how I heard the story. That the man said, I saw a crown fall. I'm here to pick it. Know the truth? If we really believed, We'll be in our homes rejoicing over people like Leah Sharibu. I think that's one reason why God gave us a lot of daughters. Yeah, everybody I know, that every woman I know that delivered in the last few months have been delivering girls, one after the other. I finally got the first boy yesterday, after like seven or eight straight girls. I think God was looking for someone to name the daughter Leah. Not, not Jacob's wife. I don't know Jacob's wife. That one fighting the sister over who owns the husband. I don't know you. Our own Leah is the Nigerian Leah. We should be proud of her. Yes, she was not delivered because the Bible says that she's looking for a better resurrection. If we really believed, we'll be rejoicing. 
We will be rejoicing. The day I heard that counsel by that pastor, I feel like that too. Are you getting my point? What I mean, my flesh wants to feel like that. But my heart will never accept it, neither will my mouth ever utter it. Pastor Banker, you do it. That's not the question. The question is that Leah did the right thing. And may God give me the grace to do it. That's what we are talking about. That is what we are talking about. So faith, faith is not, oh, that's how you, what, <laughs> I used to wonder what is the problem of faith. I just, I, I can just feel the Holy Spirit say, Banky, what are you saying? You say, check it now, what has the faith been producing? It's not motoka, house, money, you know, I need, I, I want to, want to, want to, want. Say, that can't be real faith. The first sign of true faith is the ability to let things go. Abraham walked away from wealth, from wealth, being established. That's a sign. That was a sign of faith. We look at Abraham's faith. Hmm. Abraham received that. Amen. That be not as though they were. Right now, begin to see the car. Is it a Bentley? Draw it on the wall. Begin to call it. Even the Holy Spirit will leave that place. The little spirit of faith you had before we go. See, this is not why I gave you faith. Go and check Abraham's faith. The first thing he did for Abraham was not to call Isaac into existence. Go and check it. First thing he did for Abraham was that he left not knowing where he was going. So he left that which he knew and did not know what was coming after. The only thing he knew was that God said, come. That is faith. But we tend to skip all those areas but get to the place where he received Isaac, even though the wife was 90 years old. Amen. And then when God said sacrifice him, he received it. We forget the fact that he went to sacrifice Isaac. We focus on he received him back from the dead. Amen. Our own, our own faith now collect, collect, collect. I always drop this. That's why very few Christians I've met that exist today. Because, and remember, this sin is where? The pulpit. We corrupted the whole church. Very few Christians are true givers. Yeah, I hear them talk. They do, they are not givers. They're investors. They're investors. All the offering they are giving. They're not, if, if it does not produce. I mean, I, I will see this man on TV be preaching, but even me, I will be listening. Then when he gets to that point, and I start laughing. Say, you're not a giver. He say, you know, I, I don't know about you. When I give, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm unsettled until the results, the harvest begins to come in. So one day God said I should give, you know, maybe a thousand dollars. Maybe you are more spiritual than me. I said, yes, I'm more spiritual than you. Let's not pretend. <laughs> because with this attitude, I cannot walk like you're walking. You know, this kind of, uh, maybe you're holier than me. Shall me, I'm not like, eh, Oga. This one you're doing is not spirituality. Yes, you should be more spiritual than this. That you give and you're not settled until the harvest starts coming in. You did not give. You invested. If you said you were not sure, let me give an example now. Whether Elijah that came to your doorstep as a widow of Zarephath was a fake prophet or not is a different matter. What I'm trying to say is that, did I give a really hungry man who is a prophet? Or I gave a charlatan a, a, a deceiver? That can even be the issue. So when you have, oh, it's a real prophet, whether you get, get got or not, is not the issue now. I hope you get my point. 
It's not about whether you got or you did not get. I can understand you being unsettled. Because you know in town these days we find a lot of people who take advantage of the love of God in your heart to milk you of your money. One day, Reverend Yenka told Reverend, but then the story of one man, he gave a lot of money. I said, you were swindled, but God will forgive you and reward you. Because you didn't know you were swindled. <laughs> when he told me the story, I said, I said, a man looking very handsome and clean. Said ATM swallowed his, his card. I said, this man, didn't you live in Lagos before? No matter how fine you are, once you stop to beg me for money, you are begging. I don't care. Say they just robbed me just now. You're not the first. Go to Lagos. They just beat other people in Lagos. They just stole them. everything. I seen them in Lagos. I, in this Enugu, eh? <laughs> I even saw a man. I was. This one was a bishop. He claimed you never see frosters. I was sitting with one pastor in one church. He walked in. He had the bishop robe on. He had the skull cap of a bishop, and said he's a bishop of. Let me give another name. I'm the bishop of Pentecostal. Christian International Evangelistic Mission. He had this commanding presence. We were talking, he walked in like the senior man to all we small boys. He said, where's Pastor Okemote here? And he pointed to the person, the pastor of the church. He's not Okemote, I'm just covering the name of the pastor. He said, oh, you are Pastor Okemote. I've heard of the work you are doing. My boys have been telling me about what you are doing. You know, I used to be in Enugu here. <laughs> And that pastor came to do was in impre- I mean, this man was wearing a robe. He had a cross. And he had a skull cap. So he said, so the work we did in this city, you are the one that came to continue it. All the boys, all my boys said they are now in your church. He said, go and go and bring a professor friend. <laughs> so that pastor too got up. I called him, I said, man of God, come. Wait, what is going on? He told me the story. I said, are you sure? So he, then we, after we had a rapid discussion, he went in, picked his phone, called one of the elders in the city, and said, sir, there's so and so person in my office. He's, he said he used to be in this city. That elder said, does it look like this, like this, like this? He said, yes, yeah. don't mind him. He's a 419 man. He's a frost star. And that's how he goes around churches. Ah, what have I, That's why there's no story you want to tell me. I just have to trust God when I'm giving you money. How did I reach there? <laughs> the Lord is good. The point I'm making is this. So maybe you can even be agitated that was I defrauded or I gave to somebody genuinely in need. But even then, if you did what your heart felt was right at that moment, as far as God is concerned, you have done the right thing. So the one that he collected tall reverence money, God saw that he gave to a man in need. It is we that saw he gave to a man still. Because at the time he gave money to the man, he didn't have the kind of information I assumed I had. So, he, I mean, me that speaking English, a man has jobbed me like that in my own sitting room. He knocked on my door, said, his name is, he gave the name of one popular um, journalist in Nigeria. They had just been released from Abacha's this thing. But he's been in detention for some time. So he came to look for someone of my colleagues. I ah, it's not around. I need to get home. I look the man. You know, these people that have a commanding presence. The Anomai doesn't live in Lagos. Maybe he's based in Ibadan. 
But they released him, they dropped him off at so and so. He now remember that he knows people in Lagos University teaching hospitals. That's why he came. I looked this man, I looked the man. Shall I go in and disobey God or stay with this fraudster thinking I'm obeying God? I didn't know which one was which. Finally, I decided to do what God can reward. If I go inside and say, I'm not giving you a thief, and God said, how do you know? I said, God, but it looks like one now. <laughs> At the end of the day, I can't, you know, there are monies you give, you, you, in your mind, tell the person, if you are lying, trailer jam you. <laughs> No, there's this one in which you have 10,000. The person wants only 2,000. You give him two, go. But this one, you have 600. The guy wants 500. I said, I'll give him the money. Say, hmm, you had better be telling the truth. Because if you are not telling the truth, don't cross the road again. No. Don't cross the road again. Because this is my 500. You know, the kind of money that, you know, like pastor would say, you give God something that pains you. That one pains you. As the man is going, you are looking like, See my money, they work out fast. <laughs> the Lord is good. What am I saying? So sometimes, maybe, that's what we are concerned about. I can understand being agitated. But if you're agitated that with this money produce a harvest for me financially, you're not saved, though. In that area, you are not saved. Let's say the way it is. Giving to get is not Christianity. We have preached for more than 30 years now. Most of us actually think it is the word of God. It is not. I said 30 years because I started hearing it 30 years ago. The doctrine, you know, the doctrine succeeded. That is, it became popular. Simply because it benefited those who preached it. That's the main reason. It's not because it's the truth. But we have to correct it. Because if we don't correct it, what God wants to do, he will not be able to do. Because we produce people that he can't use. We produce people that are of little value to him in practical terms. We have produced people that God can't trust. By telling them that anytime they give, they must get something back. And that the way by which they get is to give some more. That doctrine, in summary, is not true. It is false. It's not the word of God. For a long time, God overlooked our preaching and our practice of it. Now he's commanding that everybody should repent. Please, I hope I get my point here. If you need, I, I, I command you in the name of Jesus, according to the power of his word, if you have a need, don't give to him so he can solve it. He will worsen the need. I'm telling you the word. It's a prophetic word. The lack in your life will worsen. If you have a need, ask me in the name of Jesus and leave it there. If you want to give, give. I I mean, I just believe that God is tired of it. That's why I can't stop saying it. Learn to give and just give. Paul calls it godliness with contentment. What is the meaning of godliness with contentment? It means if I have 1,000 naira and I give out 500, I am content with the balance 500. What is the meaning of godliness with contentment? My name is Abraham. God makes me promises. He calls me and all of that. I leave all. I leave my father's 
they, they, they want to, you know, I, all our journeys, my father's household, I leave my father, I leave my relatives, and I start following God. Whether we get somewhere or we don't get somewhere, following him must satisfy me. I hope you're getting my point. You must enjoy the process of obedience. Do you hear what I said? That is, you have 2,500 naira and you are going to give 2,000 out. You should derive joy from the fact that you gave out money to solve somebody else's problem. Your satisfaction should be in observing the problem disappearing. So much that if you now enter into lack because you have only 500 naira, you will laugh and say, ah, ah, now I know what it means to suffer for Christ. Do you know when they flogged the apostles and the early disciples, that was the rejoicing. Ah, that Jesus said they will beat you for my sake. Say, it's true. He, it's true. Say, what, what happened? We were beaten today. Eh, you were beaten. That's why you are dancing like this. You're not crying. It was not painful. Eh? It was painful. Though. But why are you rejoicing? Two things. Number one, the words of our Lord came to pass. He's so gratifying. Two, we've been counted worthy to suffer for his namesake. God of miracle, now my papa. If you are not a Christian, you must decide that they are crazy. No, no, they are crazy people. I told you the story now. <laughs> the day I bought a Bible. An expensive Bible. Young doctor I was, house officer. The Bible was exactly, okay, was about one third of my monthly salary. If it was paid completely. And it was not even being paid completely. Are you getting my point? They were owing us a huge part of it. So I spent more than one third of what we're getting at that point to pay for a Bible. I still have the Bible. It's a book. Just about one and a half times the size of this one you have here. Not much bigger than this. So that day I was fetching water in front of our building. And one of my colleagues, he said, ah, Blackie, what's making you so happy? You know, I was feeling, no, the Bible was just delivered to me. I was so excited. I was feeling happy. I said, ha, I just got my Bible. And like, wait, this smile in your face is that they just brought you a Bible. Because you see, to the normal person, there are Bibles all over town. This one is such an unusual Bible. I've only seen two copies of it till today. The first one I saw that made me buy that my own, and that my own. I've not seen a third one. It's not a common Bible. One of our sisters who lived in Abba was the person I gave money that when you go to Abba, help me go to the bookshop in Abba and look for the book. And that's the person that brought it, or that we brought it to where somebody has now brought it for me. I hope you're getting my point. So it was a process. And it's a Bible I dreamt of for nothing less than two years. Two to three years. I first saw the Bible like two, three years before then. And I wanted a copy. So as soon as I had any money, the first thing I looked for was to buy that. So my friend looked at me that day. He asked me how much it was. I told him, ah, he speaks pigeon. He said, worry boy. He said, bank, you're not vexed. So. But bless said, you don't decrease. Almost word for word, that's what he told me. Now, please don't be offended. For those who don't speak our Nigerian English, let's speak the proper Queen's English. So, my dear brother and colleague, please do not be offended at what I'm about to say. But I perceive that you have lost your senses. <laughs> I mean, English is hard, you know? You should speak the real pigeon. 
What is it? You have lost your senses. You're the Christ. It's a simple word like that. You're the Christ. That's all. The guy said to me, he said, Banky, you believe I say you don't crazy. I never forgot it because I found it funny. I wasn't offended. It was after he said it I realized that, yes, it's really madness to the person who cannot see what I'm seeing. I'm not talking small money here. You're talking more than one third of, that if they paid our salary complete, it was one third, thereabout. They were not playing it complete, so I was, pay, I was using more than one third of a whole month's salary of a young doctor to buy a Bible, one Bible, which is not much bigger than the one I just chose, showed you now. The Companion Bible. That was, that's the name. But you know what? I was so excited. It was my most precious possession. I loved it. You know, the same person, months later, they improved our salaries and everything. And we were buying shoes and clothes that were valuable. He didn't think I was mad. I look back now, if you could buy that, because by that time, of course, we were earning better, so it was not, I wouldn't spend half of my month's earning on such, maybe a pair of shoes or wristwatch and all of that, but I was willing to do it for my Bible. And he thought I was mad. He didn't think anything wrong when we were buying, you know, clothes and all of that. What I'm going to say is this, see, what we Christians rejoice in, that's what I want to emphasize. A lot of times we end up rejoicing in things that please the world. So I give 10,000 naira, it gives me a million. I rejoice. That's worldliness. We shouldn't uh, judge results the way the world judges. That's the point of not making everything. We Christians should learn to enjoy the process of doing what is right. If you remember Leah Sharibu, two things you do. First, give God thanks for her. Give God thanks that somebody like that exists that the Holy Spirit can possess and make his glory known. That's what it is. That a young woman said, no, do what you like. Jesus is Lord. Let's thank God for that. Let's be satisfied with that. Second, nothing wrong with offering a prayer for our deliverance. The church prayed and Peter was delivered. True or false? True. But we just that we know the things that are more important. We know the things that are more important. So we rejoice in the one that's more important first. Why did I go into all of these things? Just to let us know that we must make sure that we believe in truth. True Christianity is what I've been trying to preach to us. The fact that churches are full, it doesn't mean that there's, there's so much of Christianity going on around. The real Christianity that Jesus wants is the one we should go for. And that's the one that he says is hot. It is not cold. It's not lukewarm. He said he prefers you to be hot. And if you don't want to be hot, then go and be totally cold. Meaning, don't call yourself a Christian at all. But if indeed you're a Christian, you call yourself a believer, make sure that your faith is what? Hot. And that is what we have been preaching. That is all we have been preaching. All right, the Lord is good. Okay, so that's the kind of introducing, um, just giving us a small charge. Let's now get back to the message. So last time we began that um, one, which we ended up giving the title to. You may see it in the series. It's titled now, The Selected One or The Select Ones That God Uses. The ones that are outstanding, the ones that decided to count the cost and take up their cross and follow him. Let's go again to the book of... Um, uh, John chapter 3. I want us to pick it up from there today. The book of John chapter 3. John chapter 3. 
Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? And the Lord answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, that is spiritual water, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I say to you, you must be born again. So the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone, the Lord said, who is born of the Spirit. Now, we have read this again. I want to just continue from that, the point where we stopped. Now, remember that there's a point we've been making, and that's the fact that life has different realms. Why did I read this John chapter 3 again? To bring out what Jesus was saying, that there are two kinds of people on this earth. We may all be carrying the same flesh, but we are not all of the same type. I explained that this flesh we have, there are people who carry them, but they are not of this realm. The few examples we saw from scriptures, we saw that the Lord used to appear in what appears like human flesh, and he stopped and saw Abraham on the way, and they made food for him, and he ate. He had real flesh. The two men that were with him, they were angels. And the Bible says that men have entertained angels not being aware that they were angels. So we know that this happens. Now, again, that in the same manner, Jesus now made it clear to us that if you look at even those who are human beings, remember, they are in, they are in two categories. According to the word of the Lord Jesus, there are those who are born of the flesh, and there are those who are born of the spirit. Please bear that in mind. That's what I'm, we are trying to get into. There are those who are born of the flesh, and there are those who are born of the spirit. Now, both of them look alike. That's what I wanted to emphasize when I use the reference to the angels. So all of us were originally born of the flesh. And then when we, we are now invited to be born again. Now, when he said this to Nicodemus, Nicodemus was confused. That, ah, can a man be born again when he's already old? Because Nicodemus took it literally. That is, you had to go back into your mother's womb and don't be, don't, look, don't be angry with the man. He had never heard it before. You are not that confused because that terminology has been used in your hearing again and again and you know now what it means. But when the man first heard it, he too did not understand what it meant. Now, what I want to bring out from there is that the Lord Jesus says something. Anyone that is born of flesh, the natural birth is flesh. And the one that is born of the spirit begins to operate a new realm, which we call spirit. Please bear that in mind. A new realm exists that even those the people that look like they are physical can be walking in. That's what I want, to, I want to emphasize to us. Now, don't forget that Nicodemus said this one to the Lord Jesus Christ because he saw the way the life of Jesus was going. He saw that his life was not natural. He saw that there were many, good, many works being done by the Lord Jesus Christ that were unusual. That was why he came to him and said, something is going on here. And Jesus was saying to him, therefore, that what you need to do is to enter into the kingdom. That's what we're talking about. 
Last time we talked about it, that people need to strive to enter. We emphasize that. That people who know that certain things exist outside this physical realm, I gave the examples of how they go about it. The Hindus. The Hindus. I talked about how a man like Buddha, what Buddha did was to walk away from the life that he knew. Just like I talked about Osama bin Laden. That for him to become an effective terrorist, there was a test that he also had to pass. His father was very wealthy. His father was very wealthy. The family was worth billions of dollars. If they shared the, um, the money, his portion in it by different estimates could be as high as a few hundreds of millions of dollars. But he walked away from it, walked away from it, and became an effective terror to modern civilization. I hope you're getting my point. So men who know that something exists, they pay prizes. They pay a huge price. There are things they do. Those things show that they know there's something else. Jesus will talk about a man that found a pearl of great price. What did he do? He went home and sold all that he had. Now, please, there was, there's a reason why Jesus will use that one again and again. That this man sold all that he had. He said, that's what you can liken the kingdom to. This is the problem. You know, we ended it like this last time. That we have to remove the things that entangle us, things that pre- prevent us from swearing into the place where God wants us to walk in. Please, let me say that place again. Let me talk about that, that again briefly. People who walk in this kingdom on this earth, they look like normal people like you and like me. But a few things would characterize them. The whole world is running up and down. What do we do about coronavirus, coronavirus? They don't even remember to talk about coronaviruses. They don't even remember to talk about it. They are not afraid. It is not as if they are trying to, you know, most of the faith we try to operate. We are too conscious of the faith so as to prove that the faith is not genuine. I don't know whether you're getting my point. This faith matter, we actually live by it every day. What I mean is this. Give an example. You come in here, you take a chair, you sit down, you don't check it. You don't say, can I carry my weight? I speak to this chair, hold my weight. I've gained weight in the last five months. You are going to hold my new weight. Can you hold my weight? You don't don't think about it. You just draw the chair, you sit down. But when it is trusting God, it becomes an exercise. (laughs) I hope you get my point. We start jogging around what we call faith. You know why? Because we have been living in the earthly realm. Now, when we now have need, we want to cross over to the spirit realm. So it's an effort. There's something this man said, which I quote one of my, anytime I have to teach about being led by the spirit of God, I like to quote it. That's Oswald Chambers. Oswald Chambers says something about the will of God. When I read it in his book, I read many of his books. I don't know, so I can't tell you which particular one I read this in. He says something about the will of God. You know, most of us, we Christians, when we want to do something, say, go and find the will of God. So we'll go and pray. What did God say to you? When you were praying, what did the Holy Spirit say? Oswald Chambers says, the will of God only makes intellectual sense. That is, God said this and this and this and that. That it makes intellectual sense like that only to the man who's backsliding. What does it mean? Let me explain. He said, how many of you think about breathing? He said, except you have a problem with breathing. Breathing is not a discussion. You just breathe. You've heard this illustration before of Somebody who came to the millipede and said, millipede, look at the number of legs you have. Beautiful legs. How many legs does the millipede have? There are plenty anyway. Let's just say a few scores of them. Let's not so that we don't overestimate. A few scores of legs. So maybe up to 200 legs. I don't know how to count it. So he said, you have so many legs. Say, which one do you move first? The millipede said, which one do I move first? 
Which one do I move first? Many people began to think. He did not know which one he moved first. Which one do I move first? Okay, move now and check. He could not move. Millipede was frozen there, trying to decide which one of these 200 legs we have to go first. He said, at that particular point in time, the sun began to rise. And the millipede looked and said, oh, what a beautiful sunrise. And he ran towards the sunrise. I don't know whether I get my point. He did not have to think of which one do I move first. He just moved. That was what Oswachibas was saying, talking about the will of God. What he was saying is that, he wasn't saying that to look for the will of God is not correct. He was saying that, now let me give you his words. He said, to the renewed child of God, who is walking with God, that the will of God is as natural as breathing. That he gets up in the morning, now let me use my own words, he makes a rational decision. And that rational decision is the will of God. Now he said, ah, so anything the Christian thinks, listen to what he said, renewed, walking with God. Why? Because to that person, what you call rational, what you call rational is what God calls rational. So when his reasons, the, the, the way I like to, one of the things I used to give example because it's quite dramatic, is I want to say, okay, what will happen tomorrow? Say, let's save up, you know, put 10% aside so that after some time the money will grow and when your children are old, they will have money to use to go to school. To the renewed child of God, that is irrational. Because he has heard, do not lay up treasure on the earth. Now, for him, he's not saying, he doesn't join her with his wife. Make it out. Show ya. Call a boy. We will not lay treasure on the earth. No. Like, I don't go to take something from the freezer, and I say, freezer, I speak to you open. When I bring out water, it shall be cold. I just open the freezer, bring out the water, I expect it to be cold. I hope you can honestly hear. That it just comes to him naturally. Why? Now, that, that's why I'm talking about it. Because the person is walking habitually in the kingdom. The problem, however, is that we have people who are walking in the flesh, walking, you know, spirit versus flesh, who are walking in the realm of the flesh, who want to make spiritual decisions. So they now go to God, it now becomes what? Headache, exercise. God, what is your will? Speak, speak, what is your will? They want to walk by faith, they start declaring the faith. The faith must work. Faith works, faith works, faith works, faith works. Jesus said, where did you hear me talk like that? That some of those are our vibrations. Some of those are ex, you know, what appears like exercise in faith. They are a result of the fact that we don't habitually walk in the spirit. Did you hear what I said? That's what's happening. We don't habitually walk in the spirit. So every time we want to take a spiritual decision, it's exercise. We are fighting. We are fighting. We are fighting. Every time we have to do something that is right, we have to labor. Because once we have done it, we drop again. Once we have done it, we drop again to another realm, to that uh, fleshly realm. Then we get up again after a while. When we need to do, when the flesh fails. You know, when we started today now, I heard um, uh, Pastor Kimote leading us in prayer, talking about the fact that the flesh has failed everybody right now. Everybody is confused. That is, of course, because of the current pandemic that is going on. Everybody is confused. At that point in time, let me give an example. You know, remember when Ebola was really, really serious. You know, everybody went to church. Right now, I'm sure everybody's going to church again. So, you know what God said? I will close the church. You can't even come. <laughs> is that not what is happening? So, God said, oh, now all of you want to run to church. I said, no, close the churches. The government does not know what he's doing. They just say, okay, sorry, guys. If you are more than 50, you can't gather. Oh, some people are not aware of what's going on. Universities have closed in Nigeria. You know that? UNN gave everybody till Monday to vacate the hostels. Oh, some people are hearing for the first time. 
By this Monday, they said, everybody go home. NYSE quickly posted that everybody and closed their camps. So this is what we're making. So people habitually live by the flesh. Then occasionally, they want something from the spirit. That is why it becomes a struggle. That's why you never saw Jesus behave the way we behave. He didn't pray the way we pray. He did not exercise himself in getting things from the Father the way we do. The only time he had a lengthy prayer concerning something he wanted from the Father was the raising of Lazarus. And he told the people why. That I'm only having this lengthy prayer, this loud prayer, because I want you to hear it. I want you to be hearing my discussion with the Father. So all the one of Father, I thank you for you hear me always. It's because I wanted to hear that I told the Father that. Otherwise, when he needed to request things from the Father, it was not labor in prayer, labor in faith. No, for him it wasn't. And the reason is what I'm explaining to you. It was because of how he walked habitually. That's what I'm going to emphasize. A lot of the principles he taught us, I'm sorry, okay? I'm not disagreeing with the Lord, I can't. A lot of the principles he taught us, they were given to us because he knew that we would have to struggle to come out of the life of the flesh and come into a life of the spirit. So he gave some of those things to us to operate by because of where we'll be beginning from. Like continuing praying about something again and again. He didn't practice that. The time you saw him labor and agonize in prayer, it was because what God gave him to do, the flesh was, it was pushing down the flesh. Go and read it. It's not like that in your Bible. He said, Kai, this is hard. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That was what made him agonize because it was a hard thing. Otherwise, habitually, he walked literally in the spirit. So walking in the spirit does not mean when I'm going on the road, I don't talk to normal people. No, Jesus used to sleep. Remember that? He, he, he was tired, he fell asleep. There was a time he was hungry, he went for them to go and bring food. That's in John chapter 4. I hope you're getting my point. Walking in the spirit doesn't mean he didn't use to discuss with people. He went for Uday's wedding, and then he sat down there. He said, when had finished, he multiplied the wine for them. You know why he did it? He needed to drink too. Some people think that, no, no it's true now. You don't think he used to drink wine? He used to. The Bible says that that's why they called him a wine biber and a friend of publicans. They used what he was doing to help him. So walking in the spirit, I don't mean that he was walking when Jesus is coming, just seeing him floating like a major one. No. <laughs> no, major one is the one that said he was going to walk on air. And I saw the video. I couldn't understand what was going on here. No, he used to walk normally. Crossing the river... Uh, the sea on water was not the usual occurrence. If it was usual, why did he tell Peter, lend me your boat? I hope you're getting my point. No, somebody walking in the spirit. You know, there was a time I was thinking that, hey, you know, I don't have time for the things of this flesh. Enoch walked with God and he was not. So he was always with God. Then I said, who gave birth to all these children? <laughs> They will tell you he walked with God. He has sons and daughters. I said, bros, it was not only God you walked with. You walked with your wife too. <laughs> I said, oh, walking with God doesn't mean that I won't have a wife and have sons and daughters. Enough walk with God 
and he had sons and daughters. I'm talking about walking in the spirit. So walking in the spirit doesn't mean that I'm just floating around. And that's what I want to talk about. He said, listen, it's the same thing as walking in the kingdom. It's the same thing as operating the principles of eternal life. We're talking about the same thing. But what I want to emphasize is the fact that people leave things behind to be able to do this. The problem with the world, with Christians, okay, is that we are trying... Listen, let me go back over this again. When I was a young Christian, a young boy, let's talk about Christian now, but a young boy, a song was common. Take the whole world and give me Jesus. Remember that song? They said, I'm satisfied. And then when we began to you know, grow in the faith, went to the university, we began to learn the word of faith. One of the major mistakes we made was that we decided that it was necessary to insult some of those old things. And we said, take the whole world and give me Jesus. That is why Christians are poor. We said, no, you don't take the world and give me Jesus. You give me Jesus and give me the world with it. The meek shall inherit the earth. We start twisting scripture anyhow. There's only one problem. In trying to do that, we couldn't even hold on to that Jesus. You've heard this saying, I don't know, again, we don't know whether this really happened. Maybe they're just folk stories, but then they illustrate a the point. They say one day in the church, either the Vatican or, or an Anglican church, one of those established churches, one day they were counting money. And one priest said to the bishop, or the bishop said to the priest, said, gone are the days when Peter will say, silver and gold, I have none. And the priest answers and said, so also are gone the days in which the church could say, rise up on your feet and walk. That's what the priest said to the bishop. Now we are bragging on the money we have, but we don't realize that that money came at the cost of the power that we used to have. And really, that, that's what we have till today. In, in, in fact, in our own Christianity in Nigeria today, we have that. We have a lot of cash. We have no power. We, have a, we can buy anything. We buy. But we, don't, we can't tell anybody, get up and walk. We contribute money for medical care. That's a sign of our faith and love. Please, I hope you are following what I'm going to explain here. See, so what we began to laugh. You don't take the whole world. You give me Jesus and give me the world. By taking the world, we lost a huge chunk of Jesus. We did. We did. The mistake, the problem we had was that we now wanted to combine both. We found a way by which we will focus on the world and use Jesus to achieve it. You know, my father-in-law said something one day. He said he does not know the kind of reverend fathers they have. He's a very devout Catholic. But doesn't like politics, so he's not a knight. Yes, I mean, he's something he rejected. So it's not as if they didn't offer it to him. No, forget. He's the kind of person that they will, they will, they will put night, day, wrap it, put it, and give it to him if he wanted. And I'm not joking. He's that kind of person. Okay? He said those days, priests were not interested in building houses. He said, but now priests want to own houses. That they want to have houses in the village. <laughs> Which is true. When I was young, once I saw a priest, I assumed he did not own a house. I assumed the car he's driving belongs to the mission. 
and I was hardly ever wrong. I told one of my colleagues, he was in church, and the priest was selling, whether it's Tianxi or aloe vera. I'm not, I'm not, I am not joking. The priest came to church with a load. This one melts fibroids. This one heals broken bones. If your eye is not clear, you take this one. All these herbal network marketing products. My colleague, of course, he's a specialist doctor. He was looking, and he's not a nice man like that. He was so angry, he put up his hand, demanded to be recognized during a mass. He grabbed the microphone, pointed at the priest, and said, you, you're a dangerous man. Dropped the mic and went back to his seat. The whole church got the point. He was so angry. First, he said, doctor, this is your marketing. All this, you know what they call bubuleche? <laughs> this is pure bubuleche. And we all know, only Jesus is bubuleche. Once it's not Jesus you are selling, there's no bubuleche. Some people say, what's bubuleche? Some that can do everything. <laughs> no, you see, you, know, they, they, you see them in, they, they're in Enuguna, where they are, Ibadan Cap, walking up and down. That thing they are selling to you can raise the dead. Let's, let's not even talk about coronavirus. It killed coronavirus before corona left China. <laughs>